Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. And happy Friday, December 8, 2023. Welcome to the broadcast. I say happy Friday, it's Thursday. Uh, when we're recording this the, the afternoon before at 2.59 p.m. So welcome to broadcast. We're going to bring Praying Medic, also known as Dave Hayes, uh, on in just a few moments. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, emotional healing and trauma and some very important things we had told you this was coming up. So, uh, all right, a quick reminder for how you're, we are being very careful with your donations. So here's a, a quick reminder of where the, those funds are going. Every child deserves hope an education, good health, a future. In Uganda, those things are stolen from children. One of those thieves is dirty water. In Uganda, some people only have access to muddied, filthy water. It is killing them. But you can help save the future generations. Give a gift towards the drilling of clean water wells. Donate today at ElijahStreams.com slash donate. And as always, thank you so much for your generosity, especially during these last few days of the year when so many people think about giving their year in donations. We appreciate you thinking about us and about the people who need this water so very badly. So God bless you on that. I'll call, it's, it's time to bring in Dave Hayes, also known as Praying Medic. So here we go, Dave. Good to see you. How are you doing today? Uh, thanks for having me back on the show, Steve. Doing good. Uh, it's great to be back on the show. Yeah. So I I, I thought I'd ask, I'd ask you just before we came on just now, if you could kind of recap, because people say praying medic, what is that? Where did that come from? And so maybe give us a quick five or six minutes on, on the origin of that. It's an, it's an interesting story, really. Yeah, I could do that. When I first began writing about the supernatural in 2009 i wrote anonymously on uh, on a website called the mobile intensive prayer unit it was just a, a google blog that i started and um i took a leap of faith and i began writing about the miraculous before i saw any miracles really well you started writing like you started writing a book no i just started writing articles uh just kind of a journal about the calls that I was going on uh, on the ambulance as a paramedic. Okay. At that time, 2007, 2008, 2009, um, there were hundreds of thousands of medical blogs on the internet. Doctors, nurses, paramedics, you know, firefighters who were all writing about um, their the calls they would go on, the patients they would transport and see. And, and it was just, it, it's a, it's a subculture that was, had a lot it sounds of interest. interesting, you know, but uh, and, and it sounds like that you, all first responders were kind of like enjoying reading each other's stories, huh? Uh, yes. And actually, my blog was voted the uh, runner up for the best uh, blog of the year, Fire and wow. EMS blog of the year. Wow. Uh, in 2011, I think. Very cool. So um, at that time, most of the people who wrote about their journal, about their their life in medicine, they wrote anonymously. Everyone had a little, you know, anonymous name that they wrote under, and I decided to pick the name Praying Medic. So I began writing about, you know, the, the patients that I was transporting, 
calls that go on and and the pe people I pray for who weren't healed. <laughs> Eventually, after about, let's see, I think nine or 10 months, um, I began to see people healed in the ambulance at, uh, on duty. And so that's where the praying medic name came from. It was just an anonymous name that I used to, to write under. And I kind of like the name, so it's, it's very clever. It's it's got a good. I mean, there's so much involved with the name that when you get the name, I mean, Elijah Streams is a little bit that way. It's got a ring to it, yeah. And people will remember it. Do you remember a pivotal, either the very first time you realized that your prayer just worked? Uh, uh, how long? How many times had you prayed in the ambulance? Before the first, are we talking about 10 or 12 or more than that? Uh, around 500, actually. Whoa. Were you praying out loud uh, or just to yourself or how were you? No. <laughs> so how it started was um, in 2008, uh, August 8th, 2008. So 8 8 Oh, whoa. I had my first dream in more than 25 years. And in that dream, I met God and he said, I'm going to show you what's wrong with your patients. I want you to pray for them. And when you do, I'll heal them. Amazing. And I was, uh, I did not believe in the miraculous or healing at that time. I had been sitting under some teaching where they taught that healing and miracles had ceased in the first century. So I was a cessationist, didn't believe in healing and miracles. And here is God confronting me saying, I want you to pray for your patients publicly. And when you do, I'm going to heal them. And I, I was full of doubt and skepticism and unbelief. I didn't believe in this stuff. It was a it was a long, frustrating road. Um, I, I, you know, trying to obey God, I went out and I, on the ambulance, I would pray for people to be healed. To start out with, it was, you know, quiet little prayer. Oh, Lord, if it's your will, let this person be healed. You know, um, I, I did that for several months. And for, for all the patients that I transported. I pray, pray for all of them, not with them, not grab their hand and say, in the name of Jesus, I command this evil spirit. I didn't yeah. do that right away. I was, I was begging God to heal people because that's all I knew. Right. It wasn't until almost a year later, I started to watch some videos featuring Todd White and, and a few other people who were having success in getting people healed. And they were posting YouTube videos. I saw Todd White commanding, you know, ligaments and nerves and tendons to be healed, commanding evil spirits to get out. And I thought, you can't do that. That's that's not what, like, is that legal? I, I, I didn't I didn't have a grid for that. I was quite offended when I first saw that. But um, I wasn't having any success. So I reluctantly changed my approach and started commanding sickness and disease to get out, commanding pain to leave, commanding evil spirits to go. and that's when I started to see people healed. The first one was uh, a woman. She was at a grocery store and I was there on a hot summer day. Um, I was minding my own business, standing in line at the checkout counter with a bottle of Gatorade. And I closed my eyes and in a vision, the Lord showed me a picture of this woman standing in front of me. Whoa. And she had, and I saw the word migraines. I saw a picture of her and I saw the word migraines in the picture. And so the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. It was, I think, the first word of knowledge I ever had. So I thought, this is really strange. But I'm going to step out in faith and ask her if I can pray for her. She actually worked in the store. 
she walked over to the deli and I walked up to her and I said, hey, um, can I pray for you to be healed? And she was like, what do you mean? And I said, well, uh, God told me you had migraines and I want to pray for you to be healed. And she starts bawling. Really? She's just crying hysterically. I said, can I pray for you or not? Said, yes, you can pray for me. She says, who are you? And I said, I don't know. I'm guessing the guy that God chose to heal you today. I put my hand on her head and I commanded the headache to be gone. And boom, it was gone like that. She actually, she was at the checkout counter because she was buying a bottle of Advil to take some Advil because she had a migraine headache at that time. She woke up that morning and asked God, Lord, when are you going to say send someone to heal me? Whoa. I showed up at the grocery store at work that day. She got healed and she never had migraines again. I, I talked to her eight months later and she still had not had any migraines after that. That's amazing. So that was, that was kind of my, the breakthrough. And that's when I realized, wait a minute, this stuff actually works. And then I started to pray for more people on the ambulance. I saw, you know, scoliosis healed. I saw meniscus, torn meniscus in the knees. Scoliosis is no small thing. That's a visually observable thing, right? Uh, I've seen people with broken bones miraculously healed. By the time we got them to the emergency department, they had no pain. Really? They could walk on their, on their, with their leg. Uh, yeah, visibly observable results in the ambulance, verified by x-ray and everything. Uh, it's, wow. it's pretty crazy. Um, well, that's, so that's the start. <laughs> that's amazing. You know, I, the, the, the two things I'll tell you, a couple 30-second versions of it. One of the very first times we, I was in a group, it wasn't just me, and we agreed we were going to pray for Claudia, our dream's best friend at the time. This is like 1990, 1982. That's how far back this goes. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah, I was like uh, just shy of 30 years old, 25, 28, somewhere in there. And so she had debilitating arthritis at the age of 29. Like you could see it. And we'd go to her house and she'd have to use two hands to give us a plate of food if she was kind of serving us. She had this way of serving over her counter so she would just hand it to you. But she had to use two hands. So when we, we said we would agree to pray, none of us believed in healing. It was exactly like you did, where, you know, where you just said, if it's your will, we did that. And we did it in King James. Oh, Lord. <laughs> You know, if it if it be thy will, you know, yeah. and of course, in my mind, we're going, it's probably not, it's never been before, so why would it be now in the back of our mind? But we just prayed. We prayed for about 10 minutes on their knees around this coffee table, and when we were done, nobody knew what to say. We just finished praying, and we, <clears throat> everyone knew us, which, you know, cleared our throat, did something to make enough noise that people would just get up. So she got up and went down the hall to her in-law's place. And goes in the back room, trying. I guess she needed to be alone for a minute. And as she closes the door, finds herself falling down under the power of the spirit. Well, we'd never seen or knew anything about that, but that's what was happening to her. She comes out, and her eyes meet my wife's eyes. And Doreen says, Claudia, you're healed, aren't you? And she goes, I don't understand. Nothing hurts, nothing. You know, and so we are, there was, if someone says, well, you guys had a lot of faith. No, we didn't. Well, that then, if you go from there to about eight years beyond that, I, I'm not a healing minister that goes around praying for people like you do. Although I think I would see a huge result if I would be. But um, then I'm at work in Dallas, Texas, and and uh, my bosses, you know, these are full suits, 
we all wore suits and three piece and it was Dallas, Texas. It was dressed to the nines. And I came back from a lunch break and I needed to meet with this guy. His name is Jeff. And, and he's going, man, I got a migraine. I was just talking to him and he never had never done this before. And he goes, man, I have a migraine. And I didn't know what to do. And I, th I was almost being comical or something because I was embarrassed. I'd never prayed for anybody in the yeah. work setting. So I said, well, be healed in Jesus' name. And I thought, you know, a little chuckle. And then I started to go on with the meeting. And he goes, Steve, what, what? He goes, the moment you did that, that thing popped out of my head. It was gone. So it's like we prayed for a lot of people and also the same thing, a lot of not healings. And then these unsuspecting times, it's kind of like the woman there at the at the register. It was unsuspecting. You didn't. Maybe did you when you did it by that time because you saw that word of knowledge? Were you expecting it that time? Yeah, I was. I had prayed for, like I said, probably 500 people up until that point, never saw anyone healed. And when I was at that cash register and the Lord gave me that word of knowledge, yeah, I walked over to that woman and I had like the faith of the centurion. Really? Like, Lady, if you let me put my hand on your head, you're going to get healed. I just wow. had this insane faith that I've never had before. I, I think because the Lord told me, showed me the word of knowledge, she's yeah. got migraines. That to me was like, okay, then if I go over and just command the migraines to be gone, it'll work. Yeah. Do I, you I operate pay. with the word of knowledge like that a lot now? Is that like an everyday thing now? Uh, should... it, it depends. Okay. <laughs> it depends. Like I get a lot of email requests. And so when I'm going through, plowing through, you know, 20 or 30 emails, I don't always take the time to sit down and ask for a word of knowledge. Um, a lot of times I don't think it's necessary, but when I'm doing one-on-one -on -one ministry with someone, if I'm, if they're with me and I have, you know, three or four or five minutes to pray with them, uh, in those situations, I'll, I'll ask the Lord, you know, what's going on? What's the root cause of this issue? And, and then, uh, operate out of word of knowledge. Yeah. 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 Wow. And what, you know, what, what's your percentages, if you could say that, and then we'll get into this content. Is it like most get healed or half get healed these days or what? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, it depends okay. on the condition. And, um, Boy, it's a little difficult to quantify that. Sure. So what I'll, what I'll say is this. Um, if it's a condition like uh, a joint injury, so let's say torn rotator cuff or uh, torn meniscus in the knee or you know, torn ACL, knees, ligament, uh, knees, shoulders, elbows, wrists, I, I probably have around a 90% success rate with joint injuries. Whoa. Uh, they're relatively easy for me because I've just seen so many people healed of that. I would say migraines, similar, uh, similar success rate. Uh, let's see. And then get into things like, uh, cancer. Actually, we've seen a lot of people healed of cancer. Uh, I post testimonies on my telegram channel all the time. Really? Probably I would That's say, cute. I would say a third to maybe, uh, half of the people we pray for with cancer, eventually see a turnaround in, the, in their a resolution of their cancer. Um, wow. 
And then you get into autoimmune conditions, probably I would say 30, about a third to maybe 25% on autoimmune. Autoimmune is often linked to emotional healing, emotional trauma. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people who do not want to engage the emotional healing process. They don't want to go through the pain of dealing with something. Yeah, they just, it's, it's, it's difficult to convince some people that if you go through this emotional healing process, we'll get rid of the junk from your past. It's actually probably causing some of your issues right now. Some people are willing to do it, some are not. Uh, so, you know, like I said, my success rate, it, it kind of varies, depends on what the condition is. And uh, the last question on that, the ones that are uh, that, that don't want, choose to engage, do you think it's more that they don't want to uh, deal with the pain or that they just simply don't yeah. believe in this mumbo jumbo stuff? Yeah, I've got a friend, she's a Christian, um, she's an acquaintance, and she has a neurodegenerative disease. And she has been through, like a lot of people, She's yeah. been through every kind of uh, traditional medical treatment, every kind of alternative therapy, every kind of nutrition, every kind of diet, everything you can think of, and she's not getting any better. And she asked me for prayer a couple of weeks ago, and we went back and forth a little bit. And I suggested that she might need emotional healing, and she did not want to talk about it. Uh, she says she doesn't hold grudges. She's not angry at anybody. She lets everything go. That can't be it. It's got to be something else. And so she just wasn't really willing to engage the emotional healing uh, uh, dynamic. And if if you're not willing to engage the healing process, you're not going to get healed. So it's just like, okay, I tried. I know I know the gift that's in me. I mean, you say to yourself, at least, yeah. I know the gift that's in me, but if you're not willing, you're not willing. You know? and if you're not willing, you're not willing. And, yeah. you know, God honors our free will. Yeah, that's really good. All right. Well, listen, let's talk about the trauma and emotional healing, because that's what you just mentioned. So let's yep. jump into that subject. Nice little segue. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So um, what I found over the last, let's see, I started doing emotional healing probably in 2013 or 2014. And I I had had really good success in, in physical healing. Okay. Uh, seen a lot of breakthrough, but I was transporting a lot of patients who have, you know, diagnosis, everything from bipolar, schizophrenia, uh, you know, and, and all different, you know, suicidal ideation, all kinds of mental health um, disorders. And I, I said, Lord, what is up with these uh, people who have like, you know, mental health, mental illness? Yeah. I, I, how come I can see people physically healed, but I've never seen anybody healed, you know, emotionally. I've never seen anyone healed of bipolar or PTSD. Yeah. What's the deal? Good question. And, and um, I, I cried out to God one night. I was just desperate to know what is the key to getting these people healed? Because I was transporting a lot of psychiatric patients at the time. I worked for a, a private ambulance service here in Phoenix, and we did a lot of mental health transfers. And so... <laughs> Some days that's almost all I did was mental really? health transfers. And I just, I just was having, I had a real heart for these people. I, I wanted to see them better because most of them were in a revolving door uh, dynamic with the healthcare system where they would just go in and out of the emergency departments, go to treatment, go to a mental health facility, you know, be on a hold for 72 hours, come back home, fall into depression, try to commit suicide, go back to the hospital wow. and just 
round robin with that. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. So I asked the Lord one night, what is the key to healing these people? And I got my answer in a dream that night. He basically, the Lord gave me a one-line answer. Mental illness is healed through love. Whoa. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's not really the answer I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so subjective. And I was hoping and... for a PowerPoint presentation. Right. Some bullet points. Do this and do this yeah. and try this and yeah. add this. And like healed through love. What is it? Yeah, plus I don't have time to love all these people, right? Because I've got to yeah. work and I've got to write. And I get, you know, you know, I love you, but I really don't like you very much. That's kind of <laughs> how I was dealing with a lot of these people. So I started going down this road to looking at um, emotional healing. And fortunately, at that time, a lot of people had already done, uh, broken a lot of ground on the emotional healing uh, issue. Uh, Lauren Sanford, uh, John Sanford. They've came up with a um, an approach called um, they're with Elijah House called Healing Trauma. I think is the name of their 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 course that they put people through. And and there's all kinds of other approaches. Scott Bitcon, who lives here in the Phoenix area, he has a lot of experience in emotional healing. I've got a friend, Matt Evans. He had had some success in emotional healing. Um, and so I started to look at all the different approaches to emotional healing that had been developed by believers. And I was a little bit discouraged because on the short, Sozo, Bethel came out with their Sozo program. On the short end of these programs, they typically take two hours. And some of them take as long as six months. Um, If you look into, you know, Theophostic, uh, the the Theophostic uh, healing program, it's, it's, it's six weeks long. And that's a long time. And I'm transporting people in an ambulance. I only have right. like 10 or 15 minutes with exactly. them. I needed the Lord to give me something that's quick and easy to do that I can do in like five minutes or less. Yeah. So in studying all these approaches to healing emotional trauma, I came up with the realization that they all have two or three things in common. And then the rest of the stuff is all sort of divergent. And I, I thought, you know, I wonder if I just focus on the on the two or three things that all of them have in common. Maybe that's the secret sauce. So what I noticed was most of the approaches uh, would have people give their negative emotions to Jesus yeah. and ask him to heal their wounds and their soul. And I thought, you know, that's like two steps. <laughs> I could I could probably do that in, in an ambulance transport. And I got an opportunity to try it out with a woman who was having homicidal ideations. She was admitted to the emergency department oh, wow. because she tried she's... to kill her husband. Oh, wow. Um, and this is got... a repetitive thing she wanted to she wanted yeah, to kill. Yeah, she, she had a lot of anger toward her husband. She tried to kill him twice. And uh, so the police arrested her. She went to the emergency department. She was on a psychiatric, involuntary psychiatric hold for 72 hours. They're gonna do an evaluation on her. And uh, this woman was just, she was just raging angry. And I got her in the ambulance and I said, you know what? Um, I can tell you're pretty angry. She said, you're damn right I am. I said, I want to try an experiment with you. 
are you game? I want to try to get you healed. And she says, okay, I'm game. I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just repeat whatever I say. And she said, okay. I said, okay. Um, tell me right now uh, the thing that makes you the most angry. <clears throat> she says, I hate my husband. He's a, you know, four letter words and started spewing about what a bad person her husband was. I said, all right, what emotion are you feeling right now? She said, anger. And I said, okay, repeat after me. Jesus, I ask you to take this anger from me. I ask you to heal the wound in my soul. And she said it. And I said, okay, now I want you to think about your husband. Uh, what, what emotion do you feel right now? And she said, rage. I said, okay, just let's do the same thing. Just repeat after me. Jesus, I ask you to take the feeling of rage from me. And I ask you to heal the wound in my soul. Whoa. She said that. I said, okay, now I want you to think about your husband. What emotion do you feel? She said, I don't feel anything. Whoa. Whoa. I said, are, you, are you sure you don't feel anything? She said, nope, I don't feel anything at all. No anger, nothing. She's like, what did you just do? <laughs> <laughs> and this is what, like well, five minutes, just like five I, minutes in? This is literally took us like two minutes to do this. I was like, well, apparently Jesus just healed you of that of that anger. So I talked to her a little bit. I said, look, we've got, you know, another 10 minutes ride. Uh, you're going to be in the mental health facility for 72 hours. I would suggest to you to go through your life and start thinking about events that have happened to you that cause you to feel strong, negative emotions like anger or rage. And just do what you just did. Just give those emotions to Jesus and ask him to heal the wound in your soul. And she was she was very appreciative that well she uh, by the way cl uh, claiming to be a Christian so that she had a grid for Jesus or do you not do you, do you not even know I, I I didn't ask her wow wow that's a big thing right there that you didn't, yeah. you didn't even ask her that's kind of cool well the thing is um, a lot of people ask does emotional healing work with people who are not believers and I say right. yes it does and in fact if they're not a believer they're going to meet Jesus because you're lit I'm telling you to have a conversation with Jesus. Ask Jesus to take away this emotion and ask him to heal the wound in your soul. And if he does it, now I can tell them, look, you're a Buddhist, you're a Hindu, you don't believe in Jesus as, as your savior, but guess what? He just removed your emotional trauma. So you might want to think about that. It's a it's a really good way to introduce people to Jesus who don't know him. So that was a start on the emotional healing process. And I wrote a little short book, Emotional Healing in Three Easy Steps, based on that process, where you recall um, a traumatic event, where you identify an emotion that you feel, you give the emotion to Jesus, ask him to heal a wound in your soul. It works great for garden variety, basic level emotional trauma. Um, this new book, Emotional Healing Made Simple, goes to, this new book goes to another level of emotional healing. And we get into a discussion about more severe types of emotional trauma where the soul is wounded to the point where multiple personalities are created. And so- is that the same thing as a split or a 
split personality, multiple personality. Uh, what uh, clinically the psychiatric community would call it dissociative identity disorder, yeah, DID. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about dissociation. Okay. And what I need to define some terms because I'm sure a lot of listeners have no familiarity with some of these terms. So um, dissociative identity disorder is a psychiatric condition. Uh, I'm not qualified to diagnose people with psychiatric conditions. I'm not a therapist, I'm not a counselor, I'm not, I'm not a psychiatrist. But the, uh, the, the condition, dissociative identity disorder, has as a first word dissociation and we're talking about a condition where the person um, loses track of what's happening in the world around them momentarily right so when you dissociate it is a temporary situation where you sort of lose track of what's happening around you uh, and dissociation happens on a spectrum mild dissociation is daydreaming Oh, really? If you remember back to, you know, you're in school, in elementary school or middle school, and you're staring out the window for three or four minutes, imagining what you're going to do after school because the teacher is boring you to death. Um, daydreaming is a mild form of dissociation. Is that just uh, a God-given thing or is that some sort of uh, dangerous thing if it's not correct? No, it's a God-given gift. Okay. It's a God-given gift. Good. And so... Um, when you momentarily lose track of what's happening around you, that's called dissociation. Okay. So what happens with emotional trauma is, uh, and I'll make this as brief as I can, the soul can be wounded by emotionally traumatic events. And by emotionally traumatic events, I'm talking about things like the death of a close friend, the death of a parent, the death of a child, a divorce, uh, being fired unexpectedly, losing your house, losing your job, uh, breaking up with a girlfriend, boyfriend, those types of events. I mean, domestic violence. Being and viol domestic violence. And if you get into things like if you're in law enforcement or emergency medical services or the military, seeing people die in front of your eyes, holding people in your arms while they are, take their last breath and die, seeing tortured, beat, uh, mangled children. Uh, all of these things cause emotional trauma. Yeah. And if you know people in the military, if you know people in law enforcement and EMS, you probably know somebody who's got PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. They have memories, flashbacks, uh, sudden um, onset of um, feelings of guilt, fear, shame, hopelessness, despair, anger, the list goes on. Those um, episodes where those emotions rise up mm. um, are caused by unhealed emotional trauma. And what happens to the soul is during an emotionally traumatic event, the soul is actually wounded sort of in, in a similar way to how our skin is wounded. If we receive a cut on our skin, right. laceration opens the skin. The skin can then, uh, the, the wound will bleed. If it's not cleaned and covered, bacteria can come in and cause an infection. 
if you clean the wound, put some antibiotic uh, ointment on it, put a bandage over it, there's a good chance that that wound is going to heal and it won't get infected. If it's not healed, it'll become infected. You can actually get a systemic uh, infection and that systemic infection can cause a, a sepsis in your entire body. You can actually die from that. So using that analogy of a physical wound, the soul is wounded in a similar way when we experience emotional trauma. Yeah. The soul is wounded uh, and the trauma actually causes a small part of the soul to be compartmentalized. So imagine the soul is like a fabric and a emotional trauma is like a burned area on the fabric. That area of the fabric gets burned. That area of the soul is traumatized. And because the soul is a seat of the mind, so our thoughts, the will, and our emotions, the damage is emotional. And that wounded part of the soul is then walled off from the rest of the soul. It's sort of um, a, a little, it's just compartmentalized. And the, is this, can, can I ask this again? Is this God's part, at least initially God's a, way of it's protecting? It's a God-given ability that we have. Okay, good. And, and I'll explain why. So when you suffer emotional trauma, and let's say, let's say it's a death of a parent yeah. who you're very close to. And you're devastated, you feel hopeless, you might feel anger at God, you might feel a lot of different emotions. What this what the soul will do is it'll wall off, compartmentalize that trauma. And a a part, a part of your soul is formed that hangs on to the emotions and the memories of that event. Hmm. Now, that part of your soul that retains the memories and the emotions of that traumatic event is in the emotional healing in the realm that I work in with my friends. We call that a part. <laughs> it's a part of your soul that is traumatized. Okay. That that it is also called in in uh, a a fragment. So a, a part of your soul is a, also called a fragment. So Part or fragment, those are two words that we use to describe the wounded part of the soul. And because the soul is the place where we develop our personality, these wounded oh. parts of the soul can develop their own personality. And when a wounded part of the soul develops a personality, it's called an alternate personality or alter for short. A-L-T-E-R, not a-L-T-A-R, not the kind of altar in the temple. It's altar is short for alternate personality. So what happens is when we're traumatized, um, we develop alternate personalities. And these alternate personalities <clears throat> have the ability to come up and take over our body and say things that we don't necessarily want them to say and mm. act in ways we don't necessarily want to act and do things we don't necessarily want to do. And on the one extreme <clears throat> is a person who has dissociative identity disorder or multiple personality disorder, where this person has multiple fully developed personalities 
that will come up at random times as usually as they're triggered by uh, environmental events, sounds, uh, things that people say, um, the threats that, that are perceived by them. When the person is in a situation that's reminiscent of the situation that caused the trauma, that alternate personality will come up, will take over control of the person and, and act out from the way that they believe that the situation to be handled. And once a perceived threat is gone, that alternate personality will go back down and the core of the personality will come up and take control again. Now, let me give you an illustration to describe what this looks like. Yeah. Um, I might give you two. I knew a woman years ago. We had a conversation on Facebook. This is you know, probably eight years ago. She described a situation with her husband. She and her husband would go to the Oregon coast uh, for vacations in the summer. And she said her husband is normally a laid back, uh, low key, easygoing guy. Doesn't get his feathers ruffled. He's really very, very um, just doesn't get upset about things, except when they go to the Oregon coast. Whenever they go to the Oregon coast, she said he's like Jekyll and Hyde. Really? He turns into this uh, insolent, spoiled, angry 13-year-old. Wow. And he's like that the entire time we're at, at the coast in Oregon. And as soon as we get back home again, he goes back to being his normal self. Wow. And I said, oh, he has, a, he has an altar. <laughs> and she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, you're describing this Jekyll and Hyde behavior. You're describing a person who is normally cool, easygoing, doesn't get his feathers ruffled. The other, per the other person inside of him is uh is a wounded it's a wounded part of his soul was probably formed while he was a teenager may have been formed when he went to the oregon coast and got into a situation where he was abused mm. or threatened or harassed or intimidated something traumatic happened to him and at the oregon coast and now whenever he goes to the oregon coast hit that wounded part of his soul feels threatened comes up to take over wow. the situation and and remains in control until the perceived threat is gone. And when he gets home, uh, his normal core of his personality comes back up and takes control again. So that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. Now, I I have this myself, the very same thing. You do. And God showed it to me in a dream uh, years ago. I... I've had this, uh, I've had a, kind of a duality inside of me for many years since I was a teenager. Um, I have a large family, a lot of boys. Uh, I got in fights almost every day of my life. I had three older brothers, four younger brothers. And we fought like cats and dogs. Wow. So mm -hmm. my, my teenage years were especially traumatic because my older brothers used to beat me up every single day after school. Oh, man. Oh. So... Um, I, de I developed an alternate personality that was this angry 15-year-old. And uh, this 15-year-old just wanted to be left alone, didn't want people hassling him. He's a recluse, didn't like going out, didn't want to associate, just leave me alone. I'll hide in my cave. And in a dream, the Lord showed me this alternate personality. And I, f I went... And, and found another me 
living in a cave, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And the Lord showed me that this is an alternate personality that was developed when I was a teenager and I needed to be healed. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com slash give and become a partner today. So I have a friend who walked me through the emotional healing process and we got this altar and a bunch of other wounded parts of my soul. We got them healed in an emotional healing session. And since that day, I've noticed a significant difference in the way I am when I am under stress, under pressure, in crowds of people, that um, that I used to react negatively and kind of withdraw into my shell and become a yeah. recluse after getting involved with large crowds of people in, in teaching environments. That doesn't happen anymore. That alternate personality that I had was healed by Jesus. And I no longer have that dual personality. Um, I, I haven't seen that that personality, that side of me come up in years. And it probably won't come up again because that part of me has been healed. So all of that is to say <laughs> this, um, this book, the new book on emotional healing, Emotional Healing Made Simple. It has a lot of testimonies in it. There's, there's some teaching on the front end in the first uh, four or five chapters. Um, some basic instruction like what I've been giving you about how the soul is wounded, how wounded parts of the soul can become fragments, how they can develop personalities, how they can become alternate personalities, and how those, how those alternate personalities can take on like protective roles in our lives. And and the, and the kind of the double-edged sword with these protective altars is they their perspective is they don't want uh, you to be healed. Or they, sorry, they don't want you to be hurt. Uh, most of the alternate personalities that we develop as a result of trauma are there to protect us from further trauma. They come up because they want to deal with a threat. And they want to prevent us from being threat. Yeah. They I want see. to prevent us from being further traumatized. So they'll come out and they'll spew uh vulgarities and profanities, or they'll fight their way out of a situation, or they will do, you know, things that you wouldn't normally do uh to try to get your way out of a bad situation. Mm. These um the the alternate personalities ult ultimately though they're going to get you in trouble. They, they'll cause you to do things that are not, not the best for you. Because a lot of times we're talking about, you know, uh, personalities that are formed when you're three or four or five or six years old and you didn't know Jesus. And so they tend to be irrational. They tend to be very emotional, uh, emotional outbursts, tantrums, um, you know, in instinctive getting into fights with people breaking up with people, breaking off relationships, self-sabotage, all kinds of other behavior that we do. A lot of that is tied to emotional trauma and it's being caused by and initiated by alternate personalities inside of us that were formed because we were traumatized. And if we get healed, if those alters and fragments get healed, we no longer engage in self-sabotage. We're no longer breaking up with somebody just because we're afraid to for a long-term commitment 
We know we're no longer taking the drugs and the alcohol to ease the pain. When those ulcers and fragments get healed, the emotional trauma, the pain, the grief, anger, shame, guilt, hopelessness, despair, all those emotions are healed. And, and what the, cool, the coolest thing about the emotional healing process is once Jesus comes in and heals the wounded parts of your soul, you can think about those events from your past that always cause pain, hopelessness, despair, anger, and you'll feel nothing. That's so you will not feel anything when you think about those events because Jesus heals a wound in your soul, takes away the emotional component of that. He leaves the memory there. And a lot of times you can the memory will be there. You can think about it and it will not cause you any. Can discomfort. I ask you a question? Are yep. there, Jump in. Are there um, physical triggers, um, not just, you know, that you said the Oregon coast, that, that made me start thinking of a couple things because I live on almost on the Oregon coast, so that made some things come. Okay, I'll just give you a short version of this. My dad, who was an abuser, especially to my sisters, but to me, he was really bad in many ways. But we had lots of good Christmases until my dad, who made it a good Christmas, ruined Christmas. He'd always get mad, and suddenly in the middle of Christmas, he'd decide he was in a bad mood. Okay, that's the picture of our life boiled down to a few seconds. He died in in Fairbanks, Alaska. When he died, I asked if I could have this really neat big coat that he had. So he gave me, the, my mom gave me his coat. The next few years, we'd take, get to go out and cut the Christmas tree, which we used to do with my father. And every time we would go out there, I would turn into my dad. I'd start, you know, doing things that I was never do. I would start snipping and snapping and being cr critical or being get my feelings hurt over something stupid. This is like 20 years ago, okay? And well, by the time it got, because I had the coat in the closet for a number of years, okay? And then I started wearing it when we moved to Colder, Oregon. Okay, and one day I figured out every time Christmas comes and I wear this coat, I turn into my dad, especially if we're shopping for a Christmas tree. I started to ruin the event. And I said, I'm getting rid of this coat. We came down to our driveway, the long driveway. I got out of the car, took the coat off and stuffed it in the trash can. And that never happened again. That's uh, so why I was wanting to know if there are physical triggers, or maybe in my case, there was something on the coat. Literally. There might have been an evil spirit attached to that coat. Yeah, that, that was my other, that yeah. was my other one. But yes, there are physical triggers for most people. Um, so let me give you another example. I have a, had a paramedic partner that I worked with who was a Vietnam veteran. And when I worked in a city in the Midwest that had a large number of Laotian and Vietnamese um, immigrants who lived there, we would go on calls uh, to their houses. And my normally laid back, pretty composed partner would turn into a bundle of nerves, wow. uh, jumpy, agitated angry he would go into somebody's house if they were laotian or cambodian or vietnamese he it was better for us just to leave him outside of the house because he'd be short angry snippy suspicious uh, as long as he was in that house as soon as he got outside he was fine as soon as he got out of the environment he was okay uh and and he he you know 
he was a, he was a, a flight paramedic and I don't, I don't know if he was an army, but he had two episodes in Vietnam where his helicopter was shot down. Whoa. He survived both of them. Whoa. Uh, he had a lot of PTSD. He, he could not watch a fire, uh, a uh, fireworks display without um, covering up his head and curling up in a ball Whoa. and shaking. Oh man! Uh, any kind of fireworks display, he would immediately just drop down, cover his head, curl up in a ball, and start shaking and crying. Uh, um, so guy. he had he had physical triggers. Uh, some were visual triggers. Some you probably could smell the gunpowder on it. You probably got gunpowder smell. Um, uh, yeah, smells are like that. Um, I have a little bit of a reaction to certain smells. Um, the smell of fresh blood. Uh, is a trigger for me because I've had a lot of people die and that smell oh. is really distinct. So yeah, you can have physical triggers that will cause parts of your soul to come up, wounded parts of the soul to come up and cause you to act certain ways. I, I that, that could be one explanation for what you were experiencing. The other experience or the other explanation could be that there is an evil spirit attached to that. Yeah, and I've entertained both of those. And what the good news was, even if I never know for sure, it stopped it. That's one thing I know yeah. is it stopped it cold. Speaking that, of evil ahead. spirits, yeah, that's a segue to the next part of this discussion. Okay, go for so it. Yeah, what what a lot of people don't understand is that um, a lot of the illnesses we have are caused by demons that attach to the wounded parts of our soul. Yeah. And if you want a little bit of a, uh, a teaching on this from the yeah. Bible, just read through Luke chapter 11. And it's the chapter where Jesus casts a demon out of a mute man. And the uh, religious leaders accused him of casting out the demon by the power of Satan. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, if I cast out uh, demons by the power of Satan, then by whose power, what power do your sons cast them out? Uh, but if I cast out uh, demons by the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come near you. And he goes into a teaching where he tells them when a demon goes out of a person, it goes to the dry places seeking rest and it finds none. It comes back and returns to its house, finds its house swept and then invites other demons to come back in with it. And the state of that person is worse than the yeah. first. What Jesus is talking about there is the effect of demons on the physical body. Hmm. He cast a demon out of a boy or a man because, and that demon made the person mute. Demons specialize, and there are demons of all different varieties. So you just look through the scriptures and you'll find demons. Like there was a demon of um, that followed Paul uh, for several days, and this this it caused this woman to proclaim that these men are servants of the Most High God. Uh, and it's and a weird assignment. It's a weird assignment, isn't it, that the demon had? But it, yeah, yes. So this particular spirit was a uh, 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 the kind of spirit that that psychics use. Okay. To, to contact and to get, you know, prophetic revelation. Uh, and so this is a, it's a spirit of divination. 
what it so is. So in other words, it would it would kind of tell the truth. It would get actual it, it revelation. Would, it, yeah, that's the that is the that's a deception of these of people who do uh, you know read tarot cards and, yeah. and you know read read your your, your fortune tellers. They use these demons, and these demons actually use them. They give them correct information sometimes, and then sometimes they give them incorrect information. So Paul ran into the spirit of divination and cast it out of this woman. In the Bible, you can find demons that cause people to be mute. You can find demons that cause uh, Saul, King Saul. He was terrorized by a demon that basically caused anxiety attacks, right? So demons can cause paralysis. They can cause all kinds of physical illnesses, all right? Oh. As well as emotional components, there's a physical illness to a lot of these demons. Jesus was saying in that passage that I can cast, we can cast demons out of people, but we have to do something to the, their home. If we leave their home intact, they're going to come back and they'll bring more demons with them and we'll have more afflictions with each demon. So you start out with a migraine headache and your migraine headache demon calls one of his buddies and one of his buddies comes and says, hey, come on over. Next thing you know, you've got irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, that demon calls another buddy. That buddy comes over. And now you've got uh, scoliosis. That demon calls a friend. And you, now you've got um, uh, atrial fibrillation. Then you develop pulmonary edema. Then you develop cancer. More and more demons come in. You develop more and more illnesses. What you have to do is you have to get rid of the home that those demons are using as a place of attachment. And those the home is emotional trauma. I see. That's they attach that. to our soul through emotional trauma. Paul said in Ephesians 4, 26, he said, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil a foothold. What is anger? How does anger provide a foothold for the devil? Anger is caused by emotional trauma. It's a manifestation of emotion of an emotional wound. Somebody wounds you emotionally, you react in anger. What Paul was saying was, if you allow that emotional wound to stay there, it is a foothold, a home for demons. And, and so and, what I what I have found is if we heal the wounds in the soul, yeah. it removes the home that the demons attach onto that that they use to afflict us with physical illnesses. I, many times when I've prayed for people in person and done emotional healing on them, I'll be sitting there in a chair and we'll be going through, you know, one traumatic event after another. And I'll ask them, you know, say after repeat after me. Jesus, take this emotion from me, heal the wound in my soul. And at some point they'll say, wow, I just felt something lift off of me. Whoa. Like, oh, you just got deliverance. You just kicked the demon out. Whoa. Many times, just going through the emotional healing process, the demons will self-deport. They will just lift off of the person because they have no place to attach to them anymore. So what, what I've seen is um, a lot of, a lot of people who have chronic neck pain, chronic back pain, uh, migraine headaches, all kinds of autoimmune conditions, those conditions can be healed if you'll go through the emotional healing process. And a lot of times when people receive 
prayer for physical conditions in the church to their friends to their family and they're not healed and say well have you tried emotional healing they're like no well why don't we try it we go through the emotional healing process and next thing you know boom their physical condition is gone they're healed uh, and all it took was some emotional healing do the demons so, uh the, so your senses or your knowledge is that the demons however demons yeah. see with their eyes however that works they can see the wounded parts in your soul and hey just how does the on. shark know that there's where the wounded person is that they can go and gobble up there's blood in the water right yeah right emotion like the trauma of a soul must send out some kind of a signal in the spiritual world where demons can see it and they can know it's in a place they can attach to and god they'll come around is, they'll come god around does. to people you know like well the lord said to satan he said hey have you considered my servant job have you that word considered is have you inspected have you surveyed job wow. for any weaknesses that's what they do demons will come around and they'll survey us and they'll look at us and they'll see is there a point of entrance where I can enter into this person's life and start affecting them? Do they have any emotional trauma that I can latch onto and mm. use that as a place of attachment? And then I can yeah. afflict them. That's what they do. And emotional healing heals those wounds in your soul so those stupid demons can't come back and torment you. Yeah. And, and here's the thing I, I see a lot of people physically healed who then the symptoms reoccur. Three or four days later, the pain's back. I, I, it happened to me. I had chronic neck pain for several years. My friends are praying over that neck pain. It would go away for a day or two and it would return. And anytime and what, what that you it? are, anytime that you receive healing during prayer or during worship, I know a number of people who can go into a church service, and if there's really good worship going on, their symptoms of chronic pain will vanish during worship. As soon as they leave the church, the pain comes back. When your pain changes during prayer, during worship, during deliverance, anything like that, and then it comes back, that is a sure sign that you need emotional healing because the demon will flee temporarily, but then it'll come back. Yeah. And for me, <clears throat> my neck pain, I was holding anger toward my wife's boss. And I went to uh, I went to the healing rooms up in Spokane during a conference, and a woman said, "Who are you angry at?" She's like, "No, don't tell me. The Lord's going to show you. You're going to see who you're angry at, and I want you to forgive that person, and I want you to release the anger." And I did, and my neck pain was gone immediately, and I never came back. Wow. So, um, so, so you know, recurring a chronic neck pain, back pain, uh, shoulder pain, hip pain. Knee pain. I have a friend who um, chronic knee pain in both knees. She actually her her meniscus was shredded in both knees. She was going to have to get surgery. Um, the cartilage was just destroyed. Mm. She said, "I'd go up the stairs, and it was like uh, you could hear like a someone crunching a bag of potato chips." She oh, had so man. much crepitus in her knees from the deteriorated cartilage. Yeah, and I said, "Well, you know, have you tried emotional healing?" And she's like, "Yeah, it's not working." And I said. Well, let's try it again. Try some more. And I encouraged this woman to, to pursue this emotional healing. And she had a pretty traumatic childhood. And I would periodically ask her, hey, how are your knees doing? She's like, oh, you know, they're still, they're not so good. They're, they're still crunchy. 
I said, so how's the emotional healing going? She's like, hey, I think I'm good. I think I'm caught up with everything. I think I got, you know, all the stuff covered. And then she'd have a dream that night where the Lord would show her another thing she had not yet dealt with. Well, I was going to ask you about that because, okay, so my wife and I have been at healing. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Head to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Now back to the show. For 40 years, probably we've been in, and I, and I mean, we've been getting actually healed. I don't mean we've been working at it, but not getting it. We've had getting multiple, healed, right? multiple deliverances, which I'll call sometimes they're just tune-ups. Hey, we haven't done this for a couple of years. Let's go get a tune-up uh, These because there's some issues and we don't know that. So we go back to these ladies that we are dear friends and they're intercessors and we'll go, I'll call it a tune-up. And, and they'll go back through everything and they'll list things. And all of a sudden uh, they'll, they'll sense the demons leave it just as you name them. You know, so anyway, what I want to say is that there have been series of uh, victories and then a partial setback. You see some more things that were never dealt with. So for us, our experience has been in 40 years, a number of times where we got a deeper emotional healing or more forgiveness or more understanding of my wife's parents were killed in an automobile accident just before Christmas Day. And she was in the back and survived with her yeah. two brothers. So that yeah. she had all there's, kinds there's of stuff There's always from that. a deeper level of healing. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Or what your, what your history, what your life is like. There is always more emotional healing you can do. So this friend of mine, uh, I kept, you know, on her, like, look, you know, as the Lord reveals things to you, and he will, if you look back at your, at your past, your childhood, and you mm. don't think there's anything there that's traumatic. I challenge you to ask the Holy Spirit, show me something that I need to deal with that I have not yet dealt with. And he will show you something. So this woman, the Holy Spirit kept on bringing up one thing after another with her and she would deal with it. She'd give the emotions to Jesus, ask him to heal the wound in her soul. And one day she posted on my Telegram channel. She said, hey, Dave, you're not going to believe what happened today. I was like, what? She's like, so the Holy Spirit brought up this time when I was a kid. I was about four years old, where my brother fired a gun at me, Ooh. a real gun. And the bullet went over her head and through the wall behind her. And she says, yeah. I completely forgot about that event. And I dealt with it. And I'm laying in the bathtub right now. And my knees are completely healed. I have Whoa. no purpose. No, I got new cartilage, new meniscus. And she has been healed now for, I think that was probably seven or eight months ago. She, it was a physical condition. The cartilage in her knees was deteriorated, but she could not receive healing until she dealt with that one emotional traumatic event from her childhood. And as soon as she dealt with that, her knees were healed. And I have seen so many people healed of physical conditions after they go through emotional healing. Which is why I always tell people, look, if you've received prayer and you're still, you're not healed or the pain goes away and it comes back, you've, you've received prayer from people who have a good track record for healing and you're not getting healed, you really need to consider emotional healing. It will probably help you. It's certainly not going to hurt you. And you'd be surprised at how much, how much better you'll feel after going through the emotional healing process. Wanted to just uh, one last thing. Sure. Uh, on the emotional healing book. 
Uh, I got in touch with a woman who is a former member of the Illuminati. She's actually a trainer. She, she trained people in uh, how to do trauma-based mind control. In her own words, she carried on the work of Dr. Joseph Mengele, Nazi scientist who was kind of pioneered mind control experiments, yeah. which would eventually become the MK Ultra monarch mind control. This woman carried on those experiments for the Illuminati. She was born into the Illuminati and she got out of the cult in 1995. And she has since then been writing. So she's written three books and dozens, perhaps hundreds of articles on how to get people out of uh, these uh, cults like the yeah. Illuminati and how to undo the programming of trauma-based mind control. People who have all these multiple personalities. The last uh, four or five chapters of the book, there's a deep dive into the, the more ugly side of trauma-based mind control, how they do it, why they do it, and how to undo the programming and the trauma that is induced on, these, on, on victims of these cults. And I just wanted to let people know that if you buy the book, <laughs> yeah. um, there, there are some chapters. There's warnings on all of the chapters where there's graphic descriptions of torture and abuse that goes on. I, I didn't put anything in gratuitously. I only uh, put in information uh, that is helpful to people who might need to deal with these folks in help getting them healed and deprogrammed. You need to know what they go through so that you can know how to deprogram them uh, and, and get them healed. So just wanted to you know, throw that out there that there is a significant amount of information in the book on that subject. Yeah, and so that is in, they, they go to Amazon and they type in, what would they type in? Yeah, right, right uh, emotional there. Healing Made Simple. Emotional Healing Made Simple, and then they put Praying Medic all run together? or uh, Yeah, words. yeah, that should bring you up to the, the paperback and the Kindle. And my buddy Steve is going to be recording the, uh, the Audible version of it uh, here in, in a week or two. Good, good. So, well, I appreciate that. So, um, I did want to, I'm glad we hit that at the very end because I want people to know that because you got emotional healing, because you forgave when there was no forgiveness, because you, there's a lot of forgiveness that happens during this. We didn't mention that much today. You mentioned, uh, you know, giving over anger, giving over, but there, there is a trick, there's a trick to forgiveness that a lot of people don't realize. Okay. A lot of people find it hard to forgive people that have abused them. Yeah. Like, you know, the Bible says, Jesus says you need to forgive people, but God, I just, whenever I think about them, I just want to scream. They make me so angry, right? You will find if you go through the emotional healing process and let Jesus heal those wounds in your soul, let him take those raw emotions. When you think about that person, you will be able to see the things that they did to you with a completely objective uh, perspective without the anger, without the guilt and the shame and the fear and the hopelessness. And you will be able to sincerely forgive them like you've never been able to do before because that emo that those raw emotions will be gone. So you're saying you take care of, like you said before, the rage or the anger first before you necessarily try to forgive them? It's easy to forgive people after you have oh, that's good. dealt with that's the good. emotional trauma. 
you'll then see that person differently. That's very good. I've never heard it in that order. That makes a lot of sense to me. In my own experience, not having heard that, I would say the words, even though I didn't yet feel didn't it. Feel I'd it. Say, I'd say the name of Jesus. <laughs> you I still had him. the anger there. Like you say, I, hey, I forgive you. But well, I, still what, like, I, think of, I think though I had a betrayal that was so severe of a part, business partner back in the mid-80s. And when I decided it was time to get healed, I started forgiving him. I didn't know the order you just said it. And I would say it every day, probably for about three years. And after three years saying the words, it was gone. He just went home to be with the Lord last week, by the way, that, but the, all that pain was completely gone after saying it, but I said it for three years. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, there's a faster process. Of what there is a faster, saying. there's a yeah. much faster process. Yeah. Deal, deal with the emotional trauma. And forgiving yeah. them uh, is going to be a lot easier. That's really, really good. Well, go, you feel like praying for the viewers on their way out here and just bless them and anything you want to pray? <laughs> of course I do. You know what? Yeah. <clears throat> this is going to be, I'm going to try something new. Okay. Um, I'm going to try to do kind of a generic emotional healing prayer. Okay. And what I want you listeners to do is identify a an event from your past that when you think of it causes you to feel a negative emotion whether that's shame guilt anger fear hopelessness whatever it is think of an event from the past that causes you to feel a strong negative emotion identify the emotion that you feel and i'm going to ask you to give that emotion to jesus so repeat after me jesus Jesus. I ask you to take this emotion from me. Mm -hmm. I ask you to heal the wound in my soul. I receive your healing. Yeah, I receive your healing. Now, I'm going to repeat. We're going to have you repeat this a second time. I want you to think of that same event. And I want you to sense if you still feel any negative emotion there. If you do, it's probably going to be a different emotion. So if you still feel a negative emotion, I want you to identify what that emotion is. And repeat after me. Jesus, I ask you to take this emotion from me. I ask you to heal the wound in my soul. I receive your healing. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do it a third time. Because for some people, it'll be all gone the first time. Some it'll be gone the second time, third time. And we can just keep doing this as long as there's still a negative emotion there. This is the process. If you continue, if you uh, think of the event, I want you to just identify what emotion do you feel now? Is there still a negative emotion there? If there is, identify the mm. emotion. If there's more than one emotion, you can name two or three or four or five emotions. So here's what I want you to do. Repeat after me. Jesus, I ask you to mm. take these emotions from me. I ask you to heal the wound in my soul. I receive your healing. And just that fast. Now, when you go back and think of this event, you should not feel the negative emotions from that event. You should be able to view that event as almost as if you were a spectator and not the person who was experiencing it at the time. That's a process, and I would encourage you to just go through 
tonight or tomorrow, whenever you have some free time, just as ask the Lord to bring up events in, in your life that Man. you have not yet dealt with and let him take those emotions and heal the wounds in your soul. You're going to feel like a different person afterward. That's good. Right. You know, I just I just did that just now when you started saying think of an event. And I was just I've learned when this starts to happen to engage right away. So immediately a scene came before me, something in a work environment when I was a teenager. Okay. And I just went, I needed all three of those, those times, because I still had, uh, and then I did it. I didn't say it out loud because I'm on the show. I didn't, but uh, then I, then at the end, I thought, okay, now let me go back and you're right. It kind of seems gone. It was just a work <laughs> environment where they were, I was being harassed by some fellow employees and it went on and on. And uh, wow. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you. Jesus is right. And thank you, Praying Medic. Thank you, Dave Hayes. That was That's really good. That's Was that your own methodology given to you by the Lord to just do that? Yep. <clears throat> yeah. It. Like I said, you know, <laughs> most of the emotional healing processes, they take hours to do. And I'm yeah. like, Lord, I need something that I can do really quickly. And I just went out on a limb and tried it one day in the ambulance and it worked. And that's I've been so using good. it ever since then. That's so good. That's amazing. All right. We've got the name of your book. Say the name of your book one more time. Emotional Healing Made Simple. There it is right there. Praying Medic, Amazon. That's great. Hopefully you, a lot of people get that book. So Dave, thank you so much. Uh, quick reminder, everybody, Johnny Enlow will be with us on Monday morning. So don't miss that 11 o'clock a.m. Monday. Have a great Christmas season as we are heading towards well, some, I think it's Hanukkah today or yet, but at the time you see this on Friday, I think Hanukkah will have been done. So that's kind of someone told me it was today. We'll see. All right. God bless you. Thanks again, Dave. I appreciate you very much. See you all later and uh, have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.